Well, good morning. There's been a lot of great things happening here, hasn't there? You know, life is full of so many highs, but also at the same time, life is full of lows. There's good days and there's bad days. You know, sometimes you're just driving along the road and then you hit that pothole, right? Pennsylvania drivers, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It seems like the road is smooth sailing, then out of nowhere, bam, you blow out a tire and you find yourself on the side of the road. No joke, when I was in college, I was driving through northern Kentucky, a nice warm night like this. And all of a sudden, I was, had the windows down, and I was just enjoying the moment, and I heard it. I heard clunk, 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 clunk. And I was wondering, what in the world is that? What's going on? And I'm sticking my head out, doing the old Ace Ventura thing, if you know the 90s moving, sticking my head out, trying to drive down the road, trying to figure out what's going on. And I can't see it, so I drive into this little Unimark gas station, and I pull in to figure out what's going on. I get out of the car, and I look at my front left tire, and there it is, a yo-yo. Is sticking out of my tire. A yo-yo. I blew out my tire with a stinking yo-yo. So there it was. I was like, well, I got to do something about it. And if you know me, you know you don't want me working on your car. You don't want me doing any of your housework because I'm not good when it, with my hands. I'm going to mess it up, I promise you. But I was like, I got to change my tire. So I went out there and I got that little flimsy jack that they usually give with your, with your car. I don't know why they give you these little flimsy jacks for your car. But I got this little flimsy jack out and I start jacking up my car. And, and I'm starting to unbolt the tire and I'm pulling it off. And then soon as I pulled off, I didn't realize, you know, you should read the instructions. They say they do it on a flat level ground. But the, it was like a little bit like that. But I thought it would be okay. And as soon as I pulled that tire off the car... The whole car went crashing down. And then what went from a little problem went to a bigger problem. You ever feel like that where it's like, boy, just kind of like it builds upon each other, right? It seemed bad, then it just got worse. And I'm just there, and thankfully there was a guy in the Unimart watching the whole thing, probably just laughing at me. And he comes out here, do you need a real jack? It's like, I got a real jack in the car, and thankfully, he was Jesus in the flesh that night because I need somebody to, to help me with my tire because I just could not change my stinking tire, all because of a yo-yo. But you know, sometimes life is like that, isn't it? It's a journey. We go through this journey. The road sometimes seems smooth. Then all of a sudden, bam, you hit something that blows out your tire, and you find yourself on the side of the road. My friends, this is the journey of life. It really is. It's the journey of life. Good days and sometimes days that just don't go your way. And those days that don't go your way, you're not often prepared for them. It's not like, hey, news flash, tomorrow's going to be a really bad day for you. We don't get those warnings. It's just like you come around the bend and bam, there it is. And so often we think the importance of our life is defined by certain dates, you know, like the day we were born and the day we died. But the most significant part of you are not those dates, it's that dash in that middle. That dash is who you are, how you live your life, the relationships you formed, everything about you. And that dash, there's a lot of great things, but there's also a lot of not great things in that dash. That's the journey of life. And sometimes in that dash, there are good days, 
And sometimes we hit the potholes. Sometimes life just doesn't go the way we hoped it to. And one of those potholes in life is grief. Our pain and our suffering. Grief is universal. Meaning we all deal with it at some way, at some level. We all face grief. Some of us are dealing with grief because of someone we love we've lost. Some of us are dealing with grief because the life that we hope we have, we come to realization that I'm not going to get that. That's not going to be my life. And whatever, however it may come, however we may deal with it, we all have grief in our life. We all deal with it, and we all deal with it differently. And the problem is this. We tend not to talk about it. We don't like to talk about our pain. We don't like to talk about our suffering. We don't like to talk about the grief and the, what we're dealing with in, inside of us. Yet we all find ourselves in this. And because we don't talk about it and because it just builds and builds in our life, for some of us, we've been walking with grief for so long, grief has become who we are. We all identify ourselves with something, and some of us, sometimes, we identify ourselves based upon the grief we bear and the burdens we have. This all goes back to what we talked about in the very first week of this series. You know, life is this constant quest of answering the question, who am I? How do we answer that question? Trying to find our identity. And we tend to find our identity in so many different things from our struggles or our sins and even our grief. Yet God is on this constant pursuit, constant pursuit to guide us towards his heart. Why? So that we may find who we are in him. Your grief your pain, your struggle, the potholes of your life does not have to be what defines you. It does not have to be the end-all, be-all of your story. God wants to be the thing that defines you. And we're on this journey, this constant journey of life that deals with grief so frequently. And we would love to just have a roadmap, a simple roadmap that just says, this is how you deal with it. This is how you have to get through it. This is the step-by-step. Step. But unfortunately, that roadmap, it doesn't exist. And sometimes we go back and forth in our pain. Sometimes we have good days, and some days we're back in the middle of all of our hurt and our, and our hardships. And sometimes we spend longer through the different stages. Truth be told, we're all unique. There's no one-size-fits-all journey through grief. Sometimes we cry. Some of us wears our emotions on our sleeve. And some of us, we don't cry. And that's okay. We all deal with it differently. But what is the most important thing is the direction. Is the direction. It's about moving forward to the road to recovery. Moving forward to God. To the presence of Jesus. You can forget about a timetable. There is no such thing. Grief takes as long as it takes. For some, it may be a couple of days. For some of you, it may be a couple of years. The important part is the journey, the direction, the moving forward. And realize we all deal with it different. And so let's be real. We're all on this journey. We're all on this journey. And some days it will be smooth and some days we're going to hit that pothole. But when we're on the side of the road trying to fix the flat of our life, how do you deal with it? 
You see, we all work through stages of grief and pain that we need to understand as we move forward. We go through times of denial, and sometimes we isolate ourselves, but we need to move through that. And sometimes we deal with anger, and we'll talk about that in a moment. Anger is okay. It's okay to be mad. Sometimes we deal with the, the, the next stage of bargaining. If only I did this, if only things did made I went this different path. If only I made these choices. And sometimes we have to work through our own depression. But the ultimate goal is getting to a place of acceptance and realization. Why? Because there we can find healing. There we can find recovery. But the most important thing on this journey as we work through grief is we need to remember our foundation is in Jesus. That's where it is. And until we understand that, until we build that, until we run towards that, We will never fully find our ability to move forward towards the road of recovery. This is about finding who we are in him and being in his presence. And when we're faced with pain, we often struggle to see the presence of God. We often struggle to see the fact that he's always been right there. You know, we tend to wrestle with questions. If you're like me... In those moments of hardship and difficulty and pain and suffering and grief, you wrestle with the questions, God, where are you? Where have you been? If you only were here, when I asked you to be here, we wouldn't be in this position. If you just showed up the way I asked you to show up, we wouldn't be dealing with this. God, where are you? And I'll be honest with you, there's times in my life, in my journey, in the moments of my deepest, darkest pain and suffering and grief, when I found myself by myself, ticked off with God, asking those very questions, where have you been? Because I'm having a hard time seeing you right now. And I think we've all been there. And maybe some are in that moment right now. We struggle with seeing the presence of God. Do you know in the, in the gospel story in John chapter 11, there's this fascinating story where we see the reality of grief, a whole community of people grieving, and in the midst of their pain, as they work through these questions, as they work through their grief, they were dealing with these questions towards God, towards Jesus, just like we do today. I encourage you, we're going to kind of hit some of the highlights of the story, but go back later today or this week and read the story in John chapter 11. See, in the heat of this emotional turmoil, we see the reality of the presence of God. And I think our biggest gripe with God, when we're hurt, when we're in the midst of pain, when we are suffering, when we are grieving, our biggest gripe with God is he does not always work our way or in our time. We don't make it so much nicer, God. Just do things my way. Come through when I call you to come through. But he doesn't do it that way. And in John chapter 11, we see that Jesus had some of his closest friends One of his closest friends, named Lazarus, was deathly ill and on the verge of death. Messages were being sent to Jesus. Please, please come, help, do something. We need you. We're sending out the alarm. We're sending the SOS. Jesus, show up. They had a direct and clear message to him. Come now, save Lazarus. But it didn't work out that way. 
It didn't work out that way. And typically, because it does not tend to work out our way and our time, we miss his presence. We miss how he is working. We miss what he is doing. You see, understand this. While Jesus may not always operate our way or in our time, he always shows up. He always shows up. But here's the problem. We live in a world of instant gratification. I mean, we want what we want, and we want it now. That's how we're ingrained to be, to live in our culture and in our society. And if we don't get what we want, when we want it, in this moment, then we get frustrated. And I have to be honest with you. Instant gratification got the best of me just a few nights ago. Yeah, my wife and I, we were on our way. We were a little hungry. It was later in the night. We're like, let's go through a local drive-through establishment, get some food for us and the boys. And so we're going through the line, and the line was a little bit longer than normal. And I was hungry, okay? And you guys know, when you get hungry, it's like that old Snickers commercial, right? It changes you. And so there it was, and I made my order. And see, all I wanted was my cup of coffee, my sandwich, and my fries. And I got what, she, what my wife and the boys all wanted. And they said, being later at night, hey, we're going to have to brew a cup of coffee for you, and it might be a couple minutes. I thought, no, that's okay, no big deal. And I'm thinking in my mind, I'm in this long line, so by the time I get up to that window, you would think the cup of coffee should be brewed and ready for Bill to sip it, right? So we get up to the window, and we get up to the window, and they say, hey, we need to brew your cup of coffee. If you can just pull up to that, to that curb up there, and we'll bring it out to you in a couple minutes. And then I begin to feel the instant gratification. I want what I want, and I want it now, begin to boil up, and I begin to say something when I felt the little nudge on my side by my loving wife who knew what was about to happen, and she said, Bill, shut up. <laughs> and I drove up to my parking spot, and we waited. Well, a few minutes later, they brought out all the bags of food. And all I wanted was my cup of coffee, my sandwich, and my fries. As they brought the food, I was checking it all to make sure that everybody had what they were supposed to have before we drove home. And I was going through, I said, there's my coffee, there's my sandwich, where are the fries? We waited all this time, where are the fries? And I started asking that question over and over again, and I began to reach for the door. I said, she, I said to my wife, Shelly, I'll be right back. I'm going to go get my fries. And she, in all of her wisdom, said, Bill, you stay here. I'll go get the fries. Because she knew by instant gratification, the little thing was boiling over me, and it was getting the best of me. And you know what, friends? We're all wired like that, aren't we? We're so wired to have what we want, when we want it, that when we don't get our way, we get a little bit of an attitude. And we bring it to God, too. Don't we? And that's where sometimes I think we wrestle with seeing his presence. When all the while, he's always been there. Right by our side. You know, being so focused on what we want, when we want it, we just miss God in the moment. We miss God in the moment. 
You know, the other night when we were in that parking lot, that God in the moment was God saying, hey, Bill, you have a little impromptu date night with your wife, but all I wanted was my fries and my coffee. And so often we miss God in the moment, how he's always working. Maybe not the way we thought he would be working, but he's always working. And we see that play out here in John chapter 11. Check out the story beginning in verse 5. It says there, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. You know, Jesus got word, SOS, we need you. Your best buddy Lazarus, he's sick. Can you please come right now? And just like, hey guys, I'm going to finish my cup of coffee. Let's enjoy the fire a little bit more. Then we'll go. Why? Because Jesus is like, I got something bigger in store. But he realized it's all in the journey. The journey to his presence. And here's what we see in this story. And what we see in the reality of life. And that is, God works in his own time. I don't know about you, but that ticks me off sometimes. I don't always like it. But God works in his own time. And here's the follow-up promise to that. He always shows up. He always shows up. And when he shows up, he comes full of love and full of compassion because he comes with his presence. So you know this, my friends. Jesus' compassion runs so deep for you that he experiences your pain right alongside with you. You're hurt, he's hurt. When you're sad, he's sad. When you're broken, you better believe the creator of everything that is is broken right alongside you. He knows you more than you know yourself. And he loves you desperately. He understands your pain probably more than you even realize your pain. He's with you every step of the way. And because of the grief and the pain that we all tend to carry, whatever that may be in our own personal journey, it pulls us down to the point that we don't want to talk about it. We just wish it would go away. And unfortunately, even though we're all carrying the grief and we don't talk about it, we just stuff it in and it becomes more of who we are. And then we make ourselves believe that nobody gets it. Nobody understands me. Nobody understands what I'm going through. Nobody understands what I'm dealing with. But what we see throughout the gospel story is this. You are not alone. God is with you every step of the way. And here's the most amazing part of that. He gets you. He gets you. And he gets me. So in your darkest moments, in those moments where you feel completely alone, with the pain and the hurt and the grief, whatever you're trying to carry, know that there is a God who loves you so desperately, and he's right there with you. And when you, when you, start, to try to, when you start to allow your mind to believe the lies that no one gets you, 
know that the God who died for you, he gets you. Why? Because he's been experiencing it all with you. Every bit of it. We see the reality of his emotions in John 11, beginning in verse 33. When he got to the crowd and he got to Judea and he saw what was going on, this is where we pick it up, when Jesus saw her, Mary, and Martha weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, the Bible says he was deeply moved and troubled. Where have you laid him, they asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And the Bible says Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? But then some of them said, this instant gratification came up, could he not have opened the eyes of the blind and kept this man from dying? I mean, couldn't he have done something? And Jesus, once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb, and it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. This, my friends, is one of the moments in the gospel story when we see the raw, real emotion of Jesus himself. We see here firsthand the reality of his love for all of us, how deep it runs, and how he's experiencing life right alongside of us. In that that short passage, three times, we see the Bible express the raw, real emotions of Jesus. Verse 33, he was deeply moved and troubled. Verse 35, the shortest but yet probably the most profound verse in all of the Bible, Jesus wept. And then verse 38, it says again that Jesus was deeply moved. Over and over again, we see the raw, real emotions of Jesus. And this begs the question, why was Jesus so emotionally moved in this moment? Was it because he was sad about Lazarus being dead? I don't think so. Because Jesus always had the bigger picture in mind. And you better believe you, me, that he knew that what he was about to do. There was something else that was moving Jesus to deep emotions in that moment. Do you catch it? At the very, the very first verse, the very first line says, when he saw the people weeping. You see, in this moment, what made Jesus so emotional? It was the fact that he was experiencing the pain of the people right with them. When you hurt, he hurts. When you're broken, he's broken. He experiences life with us. On the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said these words in Matthew 5, 4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed, as we talked about before, is just another way that Bible says happy. You know, in other words, those who mourn will find complete happiness. They will find joy. Why? Because they will be comforted. What it's saying here is that in our mourning, when we find ourselves in the presence of God, when we no longer allow grief or pain or suffering to be our identity, but we find who we are in him, there we find comfort. There we find comfort. We're not promised the hardships will go away. And we see a lot of anger and disappointment with Jesus in that moment in John 11. But what God promises us is that he will never abandon us. And in that moment, as the people worked through their anger, they saw that. And I realize 
that just like on that day, some of us in our own circumstances, we may feel a lot of pain. We may feel a lot of disappointment. We may be mad at God right now. And can I tell you something? It is absolutely okay to be angry. Anger is a real and healthy emotion. The problem is when we stay in it. And we allow anger then to become a part of who we are. Rather than working towards it to victory and health and recovery. The most important thing to see in this story is that Mary and Martha, when they were angry with God, they ran to Jesus. They found themselves in the presence of God. You see, my friends, in the presence of God is where we see and experience his great power. His great power. In that moment, Jesus walked to the tomb and he said, it's time, move that stone. And then we begin to see the people try to stop him. Jesus, no, you, you don't understand. He's been dead for four days. Let's not roll the stone away. I mean, it's gonna be stinky. It's gonna be nasty. You don't get it. Let's not do this. Keep the stone there. And I think we struggle just like the people on that day. We continually limit the reality and the power of God because we only view him based upon what we think is possible. When God's constantly saying, no, stop trying to put me in a box. I am bigger than that. I can do the impossible. And they're saying, no, you can't. And he says, yes, I can. Back off. Watch what I'm about to do. And I think he has to work that way in our life sometimes too. Because we limit God and we think, God, that's not possible. Just don't even bother. I mean, you didn't come through yesterday. So just let's move on. It's not possible for you to really come through now. And we begin to limit God based upon what we think we know. When God's saying, will you just come in my presence? And then watch what I'm about to do. Watch what I can do. At that moment on in John eleven forty, we see Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? Did I tell you you're about to see something significant? And then in verse 41 it says, so they took, they, they took away the stone and then Jesus looked up and to the heavens and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. You see, in this prayer, Jesus revealed two very important things. God is always with us, and God always hears us. Don't you ever forget that. No matter what you're going through, God is always there with you, and you better believe he is always listening to you. He is always listening. And we just need to believe and see the presence of God. At that moment, Jesus called in a loud voice to Lazarus to come out of that tomb. And that dead man, what everybody thought was impossible, became possible. Why? Because of the very presence of God himself. That dead man came to life. Jesus revealed that he has power even over death. And we often wrestle with this passage. 
because we often wrestle with it because we come to the conclusion that, well, Jesus, if you had the power over death, and then if we're just in your presence, then we should never have to deal with pain or suffering or death. That, that you're just going to give us a carefree life, no pain, no suffering. You defeat death anyways, right? And that's just not true. Jesus actually dealt with that very mindset just a few verses earlier when he was talking to Mary and Martha. He was telling them, you're missing the bigger picture. There's a bigger picture here. He said in John 11 verses 25 and 26, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he asked, do you believe this? See, Jesus said, he is the resurrection and the life. But what does this mean? In this moment, Jesus is sharing the, the eternal significance. We get so caught up in what is physical, and we think, God, you're here to just make my life better. I don't want to deal with suffering. I don't want to deal with hardship. I don't want to deal with death. But Jesus even said, one day your body will fail you. In other words, I could heal you right now, but one day you're going to be back in the same boat. Why? Because we live in a world full of death. One day your body will fail you as hard as you try to make it not. One day it will give up. And you said there's something bigger here. You're so focused on what is physical, but I want you to see what is eternal. I have the ability to overcome eternal death that you can live for all eternity forever and ever and ever. And he asked them, do you believe this? Do you believe this? We get so consumed with the focus for God to, to save us and make our life easy and, 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 and take away the suffering that we have to deal with that we neglect to realize our eternal life is so much more than our physical life. One day, you will die. One day, I will die. You're like, yay! One day, we're going to face it. One day, our spiritual self will separate from our physical self. But what God, Jesus is saying here is, you're going to deal with that day. But I have the ability to overcome eternal death. You don't have to face that. You can have life for all eternity. Do you believe that? In this world, you will have suffering. But he said, I have overcome this world. Do you believe that? My friends, life is eternal. Even though this body fails, you have the opportunity to have life forever and ever. You have to find your way to the presence of God. This all circles back around to what the foundation of this whole series was all about. Who are we finding ourselves in? What is our identity? My identity is not in this physical body. Thank you, Lord. My identity is in him, in Jesus, through my eternal self. One day I get to get rid of this thing and be with him. And when we give our lives to Jesus, 
we find ourselves completely in him, we have the opportunity to have that life beyond this world. No matter what we may face in this world, God has victory for you. Victory that's eternal. Victory that never leaves us. That's why Paul wrote in Romans 6, when we become a new creation, we find who we are in him. I no longer identify myself by, by what the world claims, by my grief, by my sin, by anything else, by my physical body. I f- identify myself through his death, his burial, and resurrection. I am who he says I am. And that's what baptism is all about. Baptism is that place where we get to fully say, God, I am yours. You are who identifies me. And I live for you. Some of you may need to take that step. Some of you may need to put away all the things that you have been using to identify you. Maybe, maybe it's things that you even need to ask for. Maybe it's your grief and your pain. Today you can give all those burdens to him and experience his victory in your life. If that's you, we got some great people at the Engage Impact booth after the service that would love to talk to you. If you're online, you can reach out to the host right now. Let's talk with you and help you take those steps. Maybe you're here today and you're really struggling with grief. You've got so much grief that's in your life and grief has become who you are. And you maybe have a lot of anger towards God and that's okay. We're here to journey with you. The important thing is that we journey together. We journey forward towards him. You're not alone. And if you need to talk to somebody, we're here with you. If you need to yell at somebody, we'll be Jesus in the flesh and you can yell at us. We're cool with that. We'll walk with you. Come and see one of us at the Engage Impact booth or reach out online to the host right now and let us journey with you so that you can see the victory that's possible in your life. God has made the impossible possible. Do you believe that? Let's run towards him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you because you are so good. And Father, in this moment, we long for you. Help us to experience all of you. And Lord of God, I know right now there are so many that are just hurting for various things. We all carry the weight of grief for one reason or the other. We all deal with it differently and at different paces. But Lord God, in this moment, may we focus that we're moving forward towards you. May we run towards your presence like Mary and Martha did. And may we experience your victory. And Lord, help us to move on from allowing those things to define who we are. And may we find who we are in you. And Lord God, may this day not pass till we run towards that and find that. We give you all the glory. And we thank you for the victory and the peace and the comfort that only comes through you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.